Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Alicia Reese about navigating and detoxifying the workplace. Alicia Reese, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Jonathan. It is a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about toxic workplaces. It's always a fun topic um, because we can all relate. We've all had toxic bosses. We've all been in toxic environments. And of course, there's pain there, there's frustration, but we also like to, to vent about it <laughs> and, and to talk about the, the difficult things we've dealt with. Uh, so today we might do a little bit of that, a little bit of the venting, but we also want to be positive and proactive. How can we go about navigating those types of toxic environments and how can we actively detoxify uh, those types of workplace environments? So that's what we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Alicia's bio with everybody. Alicia Reese is the founder and CEO of the Reese Group. As a certified executive coach and talent strategist, she has over 20 years of experience with individual professionals and leaders at every level across Fortune 500 enterprise and startup organizations. And there's a long list of all the many wonderful clients that she's worked with. At the heart of her practice is helping her clients solve their greatest challenges, whether they are ready for the next leadership level, but unsure how to make the transition, feeling stuck in a career that is unfulfilling, wanting to improve their leadership effectiveness, or looking for ways to increase employee engagement and retention. Having certifications in a number of leadership and career assessments, including emotional intelligence and strengths, her clients benefit from working with her by learning how to cultivate their self-awareness, improve relationships and decision-making, and dispel the imposter syndrome to achieve their goals. As a speaker, she facilitates customized workshops, webinars, delivers keynotes, and serves as a panelist, including with Forbes and ERGs. Wonderful to have you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on in? Yes, that was actually very comprehensive, Jonathan. (laughs) The only thing I would add is that as of last week, I actually released my first book, Driven to Thrive, and it's out there at every major retailer that sells books. And the the book is really about how to navigate your career from the inside out through the power of emotional intelligence. Oh, I love that. What a wonderful and an important topic. I definitely encourage people to look that up and to check that out. Well, Alicia, again, uh, great to have you. As we launch on in, let's start framing this up a little bit. and define some things. So, you know, I think listeners largely understand what we mean by toxic environment, but let's define that. What is a toxic work environment and how does it impact an employee's success at the organization or hinder their opportunity to be successful? 
Yeah, so the way that I look at a toxic work environment, I actually look at it on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have an environment where employees, they don't feel supported, they don't have the right experiences to be able to grow and thrive. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have an environment that's riddled with what I call bad behaviors, um, bullying, um, there could be harassment in the environment, as well as a lack of focus on diversity, inclusion, and equity. Yeah, and I think uh, th that last point about DE&I uh, and belonging work is, is super important. And that perhaps, you know, when I hear people talk about toxic environments, a lot of times they're talking about the jerk boss. A lot of times they're talking about kind of these overt, really negative behaviors um, or actions that hurt people. Um, but it can also be more subtle. And, and DE&I can be overt too, don't get me wrong. But um, a lot of times the diversity, equity, inclusion conversations, um, you know, the stuff that's going on in organizations, the policies, the practices, the procedures, the, the microaggressions, the biases, the implicit biases and stuff, you know, that sometimes that's kind of bubbling under the surface. It's not necessarily as like visually present to everyone. And maybe I'm saying that as a white guy, so maybe it is very present to, to others, but but uh, it, it's not always as overt, yet it creates, it, it informs the, the overarching culture and the psychological safety in the context. And that can really be super damaging uh, to individuals. And, and so I, I really appreciate how you added that in as a piece of this toxic work environment kind of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I do think it's important, um, you know, particularly as a, a Black woman who's been in corporate America for over 25 years, working in Fortune 500 companies and now partnering with them. And I, I certainly think that it depends on where you sit in the organization um, that will determine the type of experience that you have, particularly around the lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know over the past 18 months with a lot of the racial unrest that's happened, it is really a conversation that is being elevated in a lot of organizations. Uh, every organization that I partner with is trying to figure out how can we create more diverse um, environments where there is more inclusion and fairness and overall equity. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important reminder. And yeah, man, it's been a rough 18 months, hasn't it? I mean, you have, the, you have the pandemic, of course, which is challenging. A lot of political and social unrest um, around the election cycle. Um, but then we have uh, just everything that happened uh, this, this uh, summer of 2020 and the, the George Floyd incident and so many other things. I mean, that's just there's so many things, so many things that people have been dealing with, and it's just really difficult to, to, so to be able to have those conversations with people, to recognize the pain that people are feeling, and to be able to open up space and to listen and to be supportive of everyone, I think is, is what we need to see more of in organizations. And of course, you're never going to get there if you have overtly toxic types of environments where you have jerk bosses, you have jerk um, coworkers, uh, you have really a hostile environment. You have um, just really negative uh, behaviors that drive the culture of the organization. Uh, so, so we need to really try hard to start to get past uh, some of those elements. Um, we've already kind of 
started to address this a little bit, but maybe we can be a little bit more explicit about some of the signs of, of a toxic environment. Like how are we, how do we start to recognize that early on? And if I'm a leader, you know, if I have good intentions, you know, I, I, I think most leaders would say, yeah, I want a really empowering and psychologically safe environment. I don't want a toxic environment. Um, and it doesn't have to start with, like, I don't have to be a toxic boss to have a toxic environment. So like, how do we start to recognize those signs so we can nip them in the bud and start to counteract them early? Yeah. So there are a couple of signs that particularly for organizations that I think that they have to be mindful of. Number one is turnover. Um, I know that you've seen a lot of the articles talking about the, the great resignation. Um, you know, there over 11 million people have actually quit their jobs um, over the past few months. And so it's important to understand, number one, are you having a lot of turnover? And then secondly, why are you having a turnover? I was actually talking to a client a couple of weeks ago who was actually considering leaving um, her organization after so many years. And one of the things that we talked about was that typically when people leave her particular organization, they don't necessarily do an exit interview to really understand why people are leaving. So without that data, it's, it's hard to begin to detoxify your work environment. The other sign that I think is really important to hone in on is what is the engagement level of your employee population? So obviously there are a lot of different pulse surveys. Gallup has a really nice uh, Q12, 12 questions that really measures the engagement level within organizations. So understanding the pulse of your employees, the heartbeat of your organization, what is their sentiment? What are they, what are they challenged with? Um, how do you motivate them so that they can feel important, valued, and, and that they're able to continue to grow and thrive in your environment. So those are the two areas that I certainly think organizations really need to hone in on to really understand if they have a problem around a potential toxic work environment. Yeah, and, and that speaks to just the necessity of, of collecting data, like having the information have those conversations, talk to people. Like if you ever have a person leave and you're not doing an exit interview, that's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, and, and we shouldn't think that we have to wait until someone chooses to leave. Um, so we have exit interviews, we can have stay interviews, like have ongoing meaningful conversations with your people about not just, you know, uh, the annual performance review, but like regular uh, opportunities to have meaningful dialogue about performance and about and to provide feedback and to see how things are going and to see what they're feeling and, and maybe where how the the organization's meeting their needs and how it's not like that should be part of the normal cadence that you have with your employees and whether that happens via pulse surveys or through just kind of ongoing regular conversations with your people you know it needs to happen otherwise you'll probably end up getting blindsided um, because you, you don't always see it. Uh, leaders, you know, whether, no, regardless of how much we feel like we're, a, you know, a person of the people, so to speak, like we're plugged in, we know what's going on with our line workers. Leaders are in a bubble. There's just no other way around it. And, and uh, when you're in a position of authority and power, uh, you know, people start to tell you what they think you want to hear so you need to you need to actively create a psychologically safe place where people feel free to speak up to speak out to challenge you to disrupt the status quo uh, to push to push back and if you don't do that guess what people will 
try to either fly under the radar, they'll try to tell you just what they think you want to hear, or they'll go like the passive aggressive route and say one thing, you know, in the meeting and then do something else to, to circumvent whatever they were supposed to do at, outside of the meeting. Like all these things are the types of um, unhealthy behaviors that emerge when people don't actually feel safe. And again, it has not, what I'm saying here has nothing to do with the intention of the leader. I could have all of the best intentions as a leader to be a super connected, empowering, supportive leader. It's, it's human nature that when you have hierarchies and you have people that are in a formal position of power and authority with a title, uh, that you have to actively disrupt the disconnect <laughs> in order to make sure that you're, you're still able to understand the needs of your people. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. That's exactly right. And I honestly think, Jonathan, it starts with really good leadership. You know, a lot of things that you talked about um, to me, really fall under the, the bucket of having, trying to cultivate really good leadership hygiene, right? Like just as we take care of our own personal hygiene as, as people um, on an everyday basis, it's important to have really good leadership, leadership hygiene practices that actually penetrates throughout your management chain. Because obviously you're busy, you may not necessarily be able to engage at the very lowest level in your organization, but guess what? If you're able to have really capable and emotionally intelligent managers, they would be able to tap into not only the minds, but the hearts of the employees within that environment. I did want to just share one great um, practice that one of my organizations that I partner with that they actually implement. They check in with their employees every week. It's a formal check-in process. And there are two questions that are pertinent to the check-in process between the manager and the employee. And that is, what did you love about what you did this week? And what did you loathe about what you did this week? And I think oftentimes that sounds a little like, oh, it's, it's a very um, harsh word. It brings up a lot of different emotions. But in actuality, it's really getting at the root of potential problems that as a manager, you would be able to mitigate and maybe even create a, a new space for that employee to be able to do things that are more energizing, for example. 
So I definitely think as a part of having really good leadership hygiene, have the formal check-ins, have those meaningful conversations to tap into the, not only the, the mind, right? The normal work activities, but what's going on in the heart of, of your people. Yeah, those those regular check-ins just have to happen. If you want meaningful relationships of mutual accountability and trust with your people, genuine, authentic human connection with your people, which I think most leaders probably want, um, there's no shortcut to that. Like you just have to have regular cadence with your people. You have to be able to talk um, with them. You have to be able to seek understanding uh, with them. There, there's no shortcuts. All right, so let's let's talk about. I, we've kind of already gotten to this a little bit um, through some of these uh, ideas about collecting the data, having the conversations, those sorts of things. But how do we start to? How do we navigate this kind of a toxic environment? So let's say you do have toxic coworker that you have to work with daily, or you do have that toxic boss. You have, you know, uh, gross inequities within the organization or within your team. Um, you have those types of that kind of toxicity. How do you navigate that? And let's then shift to talking about strategies for how we can start to detoxify, how we can start to actually um, positively respond to those types of challenges. Yeah. And so again, this is from an employee standpoint, correct? Like the average employee, right? So from an employee perspective, I think it's important to really, you know, have that clarity as to where you feel like the toxic um, experience is, is coming from? Is it coming from the coworker? Is it coming from your manager? Is it even coming from something that you may not be doing, right? And when I say that, meaning could you leverage your voice more um, and stand in your power and being able to have some very uh, pertinent conversations? Like for instance, if you are having um, a disagreement or some type of challenged relationship, be able to have the facts and have a very constructive conversation with that person to be able to get on a really good footing. I think it's important to not allow a situation to fester because um, obviously once it starts to fester, then it compounds and that energy compounds in terms of you feeling disengaged and it may create a place or space where you are not necessarily fully self-regulated, right? In terms of how you show your show up, and and really um, maybe you're, you're you may get out of integrity with your brand, for example. So it's important to really speak up, but do it in a very diplomatic way, um, where you're able to navigate a constructive conversation and, and brainstorm ways to move forward in a more productive way. I think also can, can I just comment on that real yeah, quick because I, I I think that's absolutely right and so vitally important we we don't like difficult conversations um mo most human beings don't <laughs> you know and so so when when that person offends us or does something that hurts us i mean the reality is most people aren't like complete a-holes like most people don't even realize that they hurt you <laughs> um, so they, they did something, maybe it was an implicit bias, maybe it was a microaggression, maybe it was, they just, they, they, that's just what they do, they, they've never thought about it, they, and, and, and they do something that's offensive, or they do something that's hurtful, or that kind of con consistently is undermining you, a lot of times people don't know that that's happening, so unless we have the conversation with them, unless we kind of suck it up and go and have that difficult conversation, yeah. guess what, nothing can ever change, because they don't know. And guess what? 
if they're doing things that they don't recognize and know about, and you don't talk with them about it, guess what? You're probably doing things as well. <laughs> You're probably doing things inadvertently yeah. with other people um, that you would be, you know, shocked and and ashamed and and uh, mortified to hear, you know, how someone perceived an interaction or whatever. And you would want them to talk to you. So you know, remember that and, and give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, have some, some, uh, empathy and, and just some, show some grace to other people, um, when, when hard things happen and, and, and have the courage to have those conversations. Now there are examples, there are situations where people are just purposely toxic (laughs) and, and there it's a toxic relationship and you don't want, you don't want to be stuck in those situations. So that's not what I'm suggesting, but I'm, I'm talking about you know, what the, just kind of the, the, the regular kind of interactions that you have with people. I'm thinking of one instance uh, that happened with me. uh, It was probably six months ago and a colleague that I've worked with for a number of years, a good colleague, we have a good professional relationship and there was a big misunderstanding. And I was actually pretty ticked off due to it because he had, uh, it, it was a complete misunderstanding. It was a, um, he had forgotten some things that we talked about, and then he went and talked to other people in the organization, and it, it's it like unleashed this whole big drama. None of it was necessary. Wow. It was all just a big un- misunderstanding. So I was pretty upset uh, with him, um, but I think he was also pretty upset with me. And my tendency was to just kind of gripe, go and talk, you know, kind of badmouth him, or or to go gossip, or just gripe and vent to other people. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to say I always do this the way I should, or I always do it the right way. But in this instance, you know, I, I, I shot him an email and said, hey, I, I really think we need to talk. We scheduled an appointment. We talked on the phone. We worked through things. It was uncomfortable. It, it wasn't super pleasant at the beginning. But by the end, we had a mutual understanding and we were able to work through it and we were able to better understand. It then took a little while to kind of undo some of the drama and some of the other uh, ramifications of of that whole situation with other people in the organization, but we were able to to work through that and to do that as well. And none none of that would have happened if I would have just been stuck in the anger, right, or the frustration of, of how it unfolded. And so, you know, again, what was I? Did I have a valid concern? What you know, were my emotions real and worth acknowledging? Yes. Should yeah. I, should I have stuck with them and stayed with them and ruminated in it endlessly? I could have, but it, nothing would have been resolved and right. it would have just festered and persisted. Right. Exactly. So one of the things I always told clients, because, um, being upset and angry, those are normal emotions, right? We're all human beings. And so it's just a normal human reaction. At the same time, you really need to drain the emotion before you have that conversation. And so one of the, one of the um, strategies that I share with clients is name it to tame it. Name the emotion so that you can tame it, understand it, and then you strategize on, again, how to have that conversation so that it can be productive and that you can reach a place where you can move forward, hopefully in a better place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alicia, I'm just noting the time it has flown by. I, I feel like I feel like we could go on another hour. <laughs> and, and, and perhaps we should uh, do this again soon. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. But before um, I run out of time with you today, I, I just wanted to 
give you a chance to uh, share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then uh, we can wrap things up and give final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. So listeners can um, find me at my website, uh, www.aliciadreese.com, and that's A-L-I-C-I-A, D as in David, Reese, R-E-E-C-E, dot com. Um, and there you'll find information regarding my coaching, consulting, and speaking uh, practices and services. And then also there is a link uh, for my new book, Driven to Five. Wonderful. And I really do encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Alicia can do for you. Check out the book. Now, Alicia, any final words, uh, any final thoughts on, on uh, the, talk, the topic of detoxifying and navigating toxic environments, environments in the workplace? Yeah. So again, toxic work environments are, are definitely very prevalent. At the same time, it's important to really think about how you respond um, and react and make sure that you know that you have power with the right strategies. You can navigate that type of environment. And if you've, you've exhausted those strategies, then it's time to, to move on and, and do something different. Yeah, don't, don't get stuck in a, a perpetually toxic environment. But there are things we can do to try to navigate and to try to resolve uh, difficult, challenging issues. And remember, the grass isn't always greener. So um, I, I think one thing is for sure, we're all humans, we're all imperfect, we all um, have gaps. And you're going to find some level of dysfunction in any organization that you're a part of. Um, so let's try to make the most of the, the situation we're in. If it's perpetually and persistently toxic, of course, we need to get out of there and move on to uh, new and more healthy opportunities. Well, Alicia, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time with me today. Yeah. I encourage listeners. Yeah, I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. 
We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.